Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Right, let's make a start. Okay, let's just prepare ourselves to come to God's word, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that is described to us as, as bread. Lord, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this morning we have the high, rich privilege of coming to your word by which we live, by which we live spiritually and emotionally. And so as we come to it, oh Lord, feed us. Feed us, we pray, with your word. Lord, let it enrich us. Let it satisfy us. Let it nourish us. Let it strengthen us for what is ahead. Lord, we thank you for it. We come to it with expectation and with reverence. And we say, Lord, speak to us through it. And may your kingdom come and your will be done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are just sort of about to start a new series that we're calling Getting to the Heart of the Matter. And I say we're just about to start it. We sort of decided, we, we decided last week. And, and so uh, it, what it does is it sort of gives those people who are preaching an opportunity to really speak about particular parts of the Bible or the Christian faith that are really on their heart. And uh, so... Uh, this is a particular verse that I love. And so you get this opportunity when you're having a series like this where you, know, you can just choose sort of some of the words that you really feel God's spoken to you about or over, and over years. And this, this is a particular verse uh, that I love. And uh, so we're going to look at the book of Jude. And uh, at the end of reading this out, I'll, I'll ask you if you can guess which which phrase particularly, which verse it is that particularly I love? You might, you might be able to work it out, you might not be. So Jude, and I'll give a little bit of context on, on Jude just after we've had the reading. So Jude, verses 17 to 25. Jude's a very small book, only has one chapter, so that makes life really easy. So Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved... The predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, 
dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So now just to give you a clue, although I do love that doxology, it's called a doxology, the bit that comes at the end there, the now to him bit, it's not from that part. But there's a, ah, so you were thinking it was going to be that, weren't you? Yeah, that would be the obvious one. And I do love that. That is one of my favourites. I've learnt that one off by heart. But uh, there's actually a verse in the preceding verses. Any thoughts? Yes. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Yes, Maureen, you and I, we synced. And yes, it is. That's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let me tell you, first of all, a little bit about Jude, who wrote this letter. Jude, in fact, was one of the brothers of Jesus. He's described as the brother of James, who's the brother of Jesus, who led the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension into heaven. And he's also described as the brother of Jesus. And uh, he's writing this letter to a, to a church, we're not sure where, and this particular church, as is happening in a number of churches at this time, there are people coming in who are bringing sort of a false gospel, who are saying things that aren't correct about Christ's atonement and that sort of stuff. And so he's speaking into this. And uh, then at the end of this letter, he brings this encouragement about keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now, the implication of that is that it's possible to not keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude's actually giving us an instruction, an imp- what we call an imperative. He's saying, you need to do something to keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, God's love is there. Can we just have that, that illustration, Martin? Yeah? Well, we'll have an illustration in a minute. But God's love is there all the time for us. But there's something about keeping ourselves within it. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So how do we do that? How do you keep yourselves in the love of God? Well, actually, I think Jude gives us three really good ways of doing it. And so I want us to look at how we can keep ourselves in the love of God, particularly in the face of a cynical world. So listen to what he says. He talks about in the last days there will be scoffers, and apparently for this church, that was within the faith, but actually we can, have, we can encounter that inside the faith and outside. What's, what's the remedy? How do you deal with being in a world that scoffs at Christianity, that scoffs at the idea of a loving God, particularly after a day like yesterday, when people will just scoff at the very idea, how could a loving God allow that And how do we cope with that? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God when we are faced with that type of response and when we are in that type of environment? Well, Jude gives us three good techniques and ways of doing that, and I wanted to just look at those. So first of all, he says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Holy faith. So listen, he's saying, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. He's saying, this is how you do it. So number one, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do we do that? Well, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, 
you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. So the first thing, I think, that we can do to build ourselves up in our most holy faith is to stay well connected in the church. To stay really well connected in the church. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says this, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Building ourselves up in our most holy faith, it's really important to stay connected within the gift that God has given for that very purpose, which is the church. Paul says in one of his letters, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So actually, even back then, there was a habit of just, you know, just disconnecting a little bit, staying on the edge, not getting too involved, not, not getting too connected. And actually, Paul says, don't, don't do that. Don't give up meeting together. So the first thing that I think we can do to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, which will lead to us remaining within the love of Christ, is to stay connected, deeply connected with his people and with the church. Because he has given all those gifts to us in the church, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, all of those wonderful gifts within the church. And, and then Paul unpacks more of those gifts if you look in, in, uh, in other books, in Corinthians, and talks about the body and the body fellowship, the body ministry. Really important for us. So if you want to keep yourselves in the love of God, keep yourself connected and submitted to his church. And don't do what Paul says, be in the habit of disconnecting or giving up meeting together. So there's the church. And then there's that verse that we all, many of us quite like that, one that talks about iron sharpening iron. What's another way, I think, of, of being built up in your most holy faith? is to make sure that you are meeting with others outside necessarily of the formal church context, but that you are meeting with others and talking regularly about, about the faith. And praying together. Iron sharpens iron. And then personal devotion. Personal devotion. I don't know where you're at with personal devotion. We don't talk about it a lot actually here in, in, in church particularly. And yet it is something that's probably, well, it's completely vital and crucial to us being built up in our most holy faith. Is that sense of personal devotion to the Bible and to the word. Praying regularly, reading the Bible when you can, reading other Christian books, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Do you see that that is something that we have to do? And uh, we, we hear a lot about grace. We talk a lot about grace and what God has done for us and that there is then a part for us to play too. That He says, okay, come on, build yourself up in your most holy faith. And by doing that, you will remain within his love. So, devotion, personal devotion. And do you know what? It's tempting not to do that because in the world's eyes, this is a really odd thing to do, to spend our time concentrating on a book that was read 
that was written, the last parts of it were written 2,000 years ago and much of it beyond that. And it just seems a little bit of an odd thing to do. We don't think it's odd because most of us, or many of us have grown up with it or now we're just really familiar with it. It's part of our daily life. But actually, it's, it's the world would consider it a really odd thing to do. What? Your life is governed by a book that was written over 2,000 years ago? What, you try and live by that? I mean, that's just patently ridiculous. The world's moved on. And so don't, don't be surprised if sometimes you think, gosh, this feels a little bit odd to be doing that. The world thinks it's odd too. But don't be discouraged. Make personal devotion a continuing priority in your life. And, you know, sometimes the temptation in a church like ours where we preach grace all the time is to think we must be really careful about two things. The first is not sort of imposing something that seems a bit legalistic. As that word legalistic came in, didn't it, when grace was rediscovered in the church. And, oh, it's not about what I've done, it's about what he's done. Oh, it's glorious. And then, actually, the, the, the flip side of that is that we can be a bit afraid of talking about some of those things that will actually help us to remain within his love. And if we can feel it's a bit legalistic. Oh, you mustn't tell people to have private devotions. Well, I'm a bit legalistic there, you know. It's all about grace. Of course, it's all about grace. But it's also about some of the spiritual disciplines that help us to remain within the love of God, to keep ourselves in the love of God. So, my encouragement. If your devotion slipped a bit, well, don't be condemned by it. Just come back to him. Come back to it. Find something that works for you. Private, personal devotion is really important. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Whatever else you're interested in, football, technology, whatever it is, There'll be nothing like this you'll ever give your life to. And all of the other stuff, do you know what, one day it'll just burn away and be dross. (laughs) This is worth giving yourself to. Have you let that slip? It's so so easy to, isn't it? We're bombarded all the time. Okay, don't be condemned if you have. Come back. Make a resolution, Lord. I'm I'm going to restart my personal devotions. I'm going to... I'm going, to, I'm going to find a really good book. I'm going to, I'm going to just start reading something, something that I know I can get into really quickly. I'm going to read one of the Gospels. I'm going to get back into personal devotion, if you haven't been doing it. Get back into personal devotion. It keeps you in the love of God. Number two. What else does he say? So he talks about building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And then he says, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? So Jude talks about praying in the Spirit. Paul talks about praying in the Spirit. What does it mean, praying in the Spirit? What does it mean to be Spirit-led in your prayer? How how can you be Spirit-led in your praying? Well, one of the best ways of doing it is actually to use the Bible to help you pray. Because Paul says to Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed. So that's a good place to start. One of the things you can do is to actually use some of the prayers in the Bible. So, of course, there's the Lord's Prayer, which is spirit-breathed. Use that. But also there are some of the prayers that Paul prays for the churches. You might, you might pray one, through one of those. The Psalms are great to use as prayer material. 
And if you read um, some of the accounts of, of Christians uh, back in Victorian days, they wrote about, or one particular wrote about, I think it was George Muller, wrote about reading his Bible and then using that as his tool to then pray. So he would read a passage of the Bible, then he would pray through the parts of that that he felt the Spirit was particularly breathing on for him that day. He'd pray through some of that. And the Psalms are great for that. So if you're not quite sure what, how to pray in the Spirit, well, there's a good place to start. When you're reading your Bible, begin just to, just to pray through some of it. Read a small passage. Don't pray to start with. Just read a small passage. Let it get into a little bit. And then as you read it again, begin to pray through some of the things that it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Father, thank you. Thank you today that you are my shepherd. Thank you today that you will provide everything I need. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Oh, God, thank you. Lord, when I'm tempted to look elsewhere, let me look to you today to restore my soul. Just use, use the Bible to help you to pray in the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit, you can use the Bible. And then, it, and then also in Romans it says that the Spirit in us cries, Abba, Father. There's also that sense sometimes of, of the Spirit within you. What's, the, what's that doing? Well, that's worship. It's worship, isn't it? Oh, Father, I love you this morning. I just come back to you. I'm just thank you for your mercies. Thank you for kept me through the night. Oh, Lord, thanks so much. There's another day dawning. I don't know what's going to come in it, but I pray, Lord, that like the song says, I'll be saying, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, at the end of today. Abba, Father, the spirit within you cries, Abba, Father. Follow the, strip, the slipstream, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. And you pray. Expect to be prompted and uh, it's lovely, sometimes we hear people who come up the front and will just tell stories about, oh, I sat next to this person. And, and uh, do you remember Martin and Maureen told the story about when they'd been on a holiday and just the number of conversations that they'd had that were just God moments. And uh, I remember, and John and Sarah have talked about the same, and others of us have talked about just those moments where, oh, I just encountered this, it was like a God moment. We, we talk, use that term, God, a God moment, don't we? Uh, the Holy Spirit is in you. Expect that he will prompt you to pray and he will lead you to the very things and the very people that you've prayed for. Lord, open up an opportunity for me today. Don't know what it is. Let there be someone today I speak to. Lord, let me shine your light. I'm going to pray through the Bible. Lord, you said that we're stars in a crooked universe. Oh, Lord, as I go out into a bit of a crooked universe, my workplace is definitely a crooked universe. Lord, be with me today. Lord, if there's an opportunity today, bring it. Pray in the Spirit. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray together. Pray alone. Pray with your husbands and your wives and your friends and your children. And uh, this morning, just as I was preparing, I was just, I sort of just felt just to encourage those of you who have children or who are planning to have children. Think about how you're going to incorporate prayer into your family life. You know, it's something that's been lost a bit. It's, it's family prayers. Family prayers. And uh, I know that Pete and Lucy, every, every day they will pray together before, before they go off to work. And Lucy's work has somewhat changed in the last three weeks. But, you know, they'll pray. I guess that might have changed just in the last few weeks. But, okay, so how do I now incorporate my my child into that, my children into that. Pray. Pray with your children. 
Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests in the Spirit. That will help to keep you in the love of God. Pray. Third thing. So, build yourselves up. Pray in the Spirit. Wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now that word that says waiting, so, so Jude says there, okay, so here's the three things. You want to keep yourselves in the love of God. The love of God is there for you. If you want to keep yourselves in the love of God, you've got to build yourself up. You've got to pray in the spirit and you've got to wait. That seems a bit of an odd one, doesn't it? But actually the, that Greek word wait is a, not a passive word. It's a very active word. It, it means things like looking for, be ready to receive something. Trust it's coming. So it's actually a very active word, wait, that word where it says waiting, waiting for the mercy. You're waiting for expectation. The psalmist says, Lord, I pray to you in the morning and then I wait with expectation. It's like you're looking for it. You're looking for his mercy. You're looking for his mercy every day. Lord, I'm looking for it today. Lord, whatever is happening for me, for me today, I'm looking for it. You know, one of the lovely things about visiting Ben in hospital is that he will tell you about little moments of mercy. Oh, that consultant came to see me today. Oh, do you know what? She's just, she's really on my case. Oh, it's great. Isn't God good? I had this opportunity to talk to this Filipino nurse. Oh, isn't it great? He's looking for, for the mercy. He's looking for those moments of mercy. He's giving thanks for it. Look for mercy. Look for Christ's mercy. Wait for it. Expect it. Whatever life is throwing you, however difficult life might be for you right at the moment, or challenging or confusing, or whether these are good days for you, wherever you are in life, look for his mercy. If it's a great season in life at the moment, oh Lord, your mercy. Oh, a child born. Oh Lord, your mercy. It's great. But actually there are days when it's not like that. How do I keep myself in the love of God? I look for with expectation his mercy. The mercy of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that I am no longer under God's wrath and condemnation. Instead, I can expect mercy. I can expect it all all my life long. Goodness and love are going to follow me all the days of my life. What, really? But, But what about when those things happen? Yeah, but actually, do you know what? Even in those things, if you look for it, Oh, there's mercy. If you want to keep yourself within the love of God, look expectantly for his mercy and for the mercy of Christ. But actually that verse goes on to talk about eternity. So it says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And actually sometimes actually I need to look there too. To keep myself in the love of God, I've got to look beyond this life. And uh, there's these great verses that Paul uh, uses when he's talking about uh, having hope for eternity. And he says, Oh, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And then he says this, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
encourage one another with these words. Do you know, I think in previous generations, they were very good at doing that. Yeah? When there was not, nothing much else you could put your hope in. You didn't, have a, you didn't have technology. You didn't have a national health service. And so you just had God. That's all you had. And so you regularly encouraged each other with these words. Do you know what? He's going to come. He's coming for us. He's going to take us. The Lord's coming soon. Encourage one another with those words. I'm not sure we do actually do that as much in this generation. But do you know what? Death's coming to every one of us. It's the one certainty. That and taxes, isn't it? That's what they say. Two certainties of life, death and taxes. So... uh, so it's going to come to us, whether, whether it's, it's slightly delayed, it's a, we get a little bit longer here for some of us than we might have done 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago, but it's still going to come. And what's the hope? Oh, he's coming soon. And he's going to, he, you know that great song, we will meet him in the air and we will be like him, for we shall see him. It's good to remind each other, do you know what? On a good day, do you know what? Oh, the Lord's coming soon, he's coming. <laughs> and on a difficult day... The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming soon. Yeah? Let's, let's remind each other of that. Do you know the other reason why it's important to do that? Is because it stops us. It acts as an antidote to us loving the world too much. It does. And uh, Jesus talks about being aware of loving the world too much. And it's really easy just to do that, to get into the nine to five and just think, oh, this re- feels like this re- is really all there is, actually. And I read this and I think, well, you know, it's, I'm not sure. But actually, it's an antidote for us to talk about eternity, to remember that he's coming back, that the mercy of the Lord Jesus leads us into eternity. That's where it's going. It's not just for now, it's for then. Oh, it's going to lead us into eternity it's really good to talk about it with each other, to remind one another, to encourage one another. You know, sometimes we can feel like it's, we can feel like it's a bit defeatist to, to, to say it. No, but actually, you know, we face crises in life. You think of Ben and Emma. Is it discouraging at times like this to say, oh, he's coming soon. He's going to meet us in the air. He's going to take us. Oh, this, he's leading us into eternity. It's mercy. Do you know what? There's mercy coming for us, however long it is, how long I've got to wait. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but for to die is gain. It's mercy coming. It's, it's the mercy of the Lord Jesus. It's an antidote for us getting too caught up in this life, putting our hope in stuff that is going to go in a moment. It keeps us in the love of God. You can sense it, can't you? Oh, God. This isn't all there is. Oh, God. When I lost that, that person I loved, my parent, when my parent died, but she, she knew you, and so, oh. <laughs> oh, God, thank you. Mercy is great. It's leading into eternity. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're aliens here, that's what the Bible says. Ever feel like an alien? Mm-hmm. We're aliens. And strangers. That's what the Bible says. You're, you're aliens and strangers here. Do you ever feel strange when you're out there? I bet you do. It's great being talking to, to Nick about the experience that's happened to him as he's become a Christian. And suddenly life has just been turned on its head and the workplace where he felt really, really at home. And, and then suddenly he becomes a Christian. And oh, it's 
feel like a stranger. I feel like a stranger. I'm not, I'm not the Jack the Lad that everybody's looking at anymore. Something's changed. I feel like I'm a stranger here. I feel, I feel like I'm an alien. I feel like I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not meant to be. There's something... There was an old hymn that said, this world is not... An old Negro, Negro spiritual that said, this world is not my home, they used to sing. This world is not my home. Now, this helps to keep us in the love of God. We remember this is not all there is. We're looking. We're waiting expectantly. We're talking together about the mercy that's, that's coming. The mercy that's coming for us now. And the mercy that's coming for us that leads us into eternity. So there's those three things that Jude talks about. Ways of keeping ourselves in the love of God. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. Waiting with expectation oh, for the mercy of Jesus Christ in this life and leading into the next. And so it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like a, a trellis. Let's just have a look at the picture if we can. And uh, in the old days, there was a, a word that was used. It was rule. And so you would read things like the rule of St. Benedict. And uh, people would put together what they called rules, and that was like a structure. And actually, um, as we, the church moved away from that, because actually it had become a little bit legalistic, but actually probably what was behind it, sometimes it would be called the rule of life, was, was actually just having a structure. And that word rule doesn't mean rule like we understand it. It literally means trellis. That's what that word rule means. When you read about the rule of St. Benedict, it means a trellis, a structure. And so it's helpful for us when we think about, if you like, the spiritual disciplines, to think of them as like a trellis. That trellis for that vine, in and of itself, doesn't matter a jot. Okay? Nobody's worried that it doesn't look very nice and very neat because actually it's, it's, it's there to serve a purpose. The trellis in itself is unimportant. But it is there so that the fruit can grow. The fruit will still grow if it's, the trellis isn't there, but it will be trodden on the ground. It will go rotten because the grapes are just lying on the ground there. The, the level of fruitfulness will be very limited because of that, uh, ground-crawling creatures will eat it. It's just vulnerable. Still there, but it's vulnerable. The trellis provides a framework for the vine to grow and to be incredibly fruitful. It also exposes the vine to the maximum amount of sunlight. Otherwise, it's on the ground and it's in shade. But actually, that trellis provides a structure so that the vine can grow up and get full exposure to the sun. It can be fruitful. It can grow well. It will not be easily trampled underfoot. It will produce much fruit. And when Jude talks about those things that we can do to keep ourselves in the love of God, I think that's what really he's talking about. He's talking about us having a structure and a trellis, a rule, a spiritual disciplines that will allow us to experience the full glory of God and his full blessing on us. So, how is your trellis? 
Let me ask you that question. How is your trellis doing? As you look at your life, are there some things where you think, actually, do you know what? I th- that one needs a bit of attention. I know farmers, they, 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 um, if, if any of you know farm, farmers, I guess probably, uh, yeah, a few nods, of, and, and, I, and I guess um, Garth and Gidge were sort of more part of farming communities, weren't you, back in Zim? And I've got some friends whose, far, whose dad's a farmer. And they will, at different seasons of the year, they'll be about different maintenance jobs, you know. Winter is the time to fix the fences and to get the uh, combine harvester all, all um, you know, MOT'd or whatever they do with the combine harvester. And uh, so there are different seasons, aren't there, where the equipment on the farm just needs a bit of attention. And so I think it can be the same with us. Just sometimes the Lord just gives a little nudge about giving some attention to part of the trellis. Is, is, it, is it prayer? Oh, yeah, no, Lord, I don't know. Okay, let me go back to that. Is it the, is it the iron sharpening iron stuff? Is it the, is it the, the personal and private demo, devotion? Is it, I've become a bit detached and, onto church. I've just, church has become a little bit, I've been a bit, a bit casual about church, actually, you know. If there's a good farmer's market on, on that Sunday, I sort of, you know, I'll go there. <laughs> We've become a bit casual about it. Is there a part of the trellis, that's what I'm saying, that, that just you need to look at? There's no condemnation with it. So I say, do you know what? Not interested in the trellis, <laughs> particularly in and of itself. Interested in fruit. In fruit in your lives. That's a pastor's job. To be interested in the fruit in your lives and in mine. I tell you, my trellis needs constant attention. Finally, let's turn to the words that you probably thought were my favourite verse. And they, and they pretty much are as well, but... Let's enjoy these together. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Do you know that? He's going to present you. He presents you before his great glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. You see, yes, we, we do need to do some of this stuff to keep ourselves in the love of God. But actually, do you know what the bottom line is? He will present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He will do it. Yeah, we can do some stuff that's going to help us remain and keep inside the love of God And if we don't, we're probably going to miss out and maybe our fruitfulness will be a bit limited. And we don't want that. But actually it's him who's going to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Let's have the band we're going to sing to finish. And as they come, let's just pray together. Father, we thank you so much that because of Jesus, we are free. We're free from condemnation. We're free from the need to present sacrifices. We're free from the need to obey every dot of the law because all of that was achieved on the cross and through your resurrection, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you're going to present us faultless before the glory of your Father. And we thank you that actually you've also given us 
disciplines of grace. A means of really experiencing the full depth of your love. And we don't want to be robbed of that, Lord. We don't want our fruit to be curtailed or or vulnerable. Lord, we want to be fruitful for you. The very reason we want to be fruitful for you is because you are the one who gave everything for us so that we could be presented before the Father without any condemnation and with great joy. And so we want to be fruitful for you and we want to experience all that you have for us. We want to keep ourselves in the love of God. There's nowhere else we want to be. So help us, Lord, with these disciplines of grace that Jude talks about to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, to pray in the Spirit and to wait for the mercy of Jesus Christ that's going to lead into eternity and help us to do all those things in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Let's stand, we'll sing and then we're going to finish. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.